The following program is paid content from the organization Free Your Children. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of Free Your Children and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, LLC, its owners and management. Welcome in to Free Your Children, sharing truth and love about education. And here's your host, Tiffany Boyd. Hello, welcome to Free Your Children on WKOM 101.7. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and our mission here at Free Your Children is to share the truth in love about education. There's a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children. I hope this ministry equips you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians six ten through 11 Thank you to Safe Storage for sponsoring today's show. If you have storage needs and you are in the Middle Tennessee area, you can reach Safe Storage at safestoragetn.com. If you would like more information about Free Your Children, you can find us over on our website, freeyourchildren.com, on X, Telegram, Signal, and Facebook. You can also email me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com and find me over on the Borough Pulse, where I am a monthly contributor. You can read all of the articles that I've penned to date there about education, and that can be found at Borough Pulse, B O R O P U L S E. If you are interested in sponsoring the Free Your Children radio show, send me an email and I will be happy to get that sponsorship packet to you. We have been traveling across the state of Tennessee hosting seminars to educate families about all things regarding education. Specifically right now, there's legislation that has been filed, HB 2468 and Senate Bill 2787. Those have been filed as caption bills, and as of the recording of this show today, we do not have the wording of those bills. We were told that that wording is supposed to be released today. Free Your Children intends to head back to the Capitol to talk to our legislators about about our opposition to these bills. Follow Free Your Children for more information about that. I'm very excited to have today's guest with us. We have Israel Wayne with us today. He is the vice president of the Michigan Christian Homeschool Network, and he wears many other hats. And we're going to delve into that today with him. Welcome, Israel. Thank you, Tiffany. It's great to be on your show. Well, it's great to have you back. The reason why I wanted Israel to join us today is we're going to be speaking about some things that are happening in Michigan that is a direct threat to homeschool freedoms in that state. And again, if our listeners are here locally in Tennessee, we're also going to be discussing how how and why we have concerns about our freedoms here as well. Israel, let's start out, if you don't mind, by explaining to our listeners how parents can legally homeschool in Michigan. In Michigan, there are two primary options for homeschooling. One is something that we call Exemption A in our school code law. That is where you can form a private Christian school, uh, or just a private school, actually, and you can homeschool your children uh, under the private school code. So that's one option. And then there is another option where you can homeschool directly as a homeschooling family. We call that exemption F. The requirements there are that you have to be a parent or legal guardian who is doing the instruction in the home. And there are nine academic subjects 
that are laid out that you are supposed to teach, and it specifies which of those nine academic subjects must be taught. And then it says that uh, the subjects must be taught in an organized educational manner. And so um, there are no annual reporting requirements. There's no standardized testing requirements. Uh, there, there really is just the requirement that you're a parent legal guardian, you teach your children in the home, and you teach these nine subjects in an organized educational manner. Uh, that's essentially um, the homeschooling code here in Michigan. That's great. So you are in a state where there is clearly not as much regulation as some other states across the U.S., and that's one thing that we're going to be discussing today. With those two exemptions, Israel, which exemption do families choose most frequently? Almost all homeschoolers in Michigan will homeschool under Exemption F. Um, Under Exemption A, it's a little tricky because uh, there's a, a, a teacher certification requirement for mm-hmm. teaching under Exemption A. However, we have a Supreme Court case from back in 1992, I mm-hmm. think it was, 1993, uh, the DeYoung case, that exempted people who have religious conviction against uh, the requirement for teacher certification. But um, when you when you enroll as a private school, there's potentially more regulations mm-hmm. that can be applied to pri- to private schools than to you as a family under Exemption F. So almost everyone who at homeschool in Michigan would do so under Exemption F. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is what we're facing here in Tennessee. The majority of homeschoolers in the state of Tennessee register as a Category 4 umbrella school option, which, you know, makes us considered a private school. And so you're correct in that oftentimes, and and there are more regulations that can be amended or changed, which is what we faced over the summer in that specific category. So how, in your opinion, has homeschooling the population in Michigan, homeschooling population changed over the years? I know that you have been involved in the homeschool world for a long time. So tell our listeners a little bit about that and then how you have seen the face of homeschooling change. Well, if you go way back into the early days of homeschooling, Michigan was one of the most restrictive states because we only had the uh, ability for somebody to homeschool as a private school and they had to be a certified teacher. And so there were families who were just teaching their children at home as individual families. They were not certified teachers. And uh, unfortunately, in those early days, we're talking about the early 1980s, um, there were friends and neighbors and relatives who would do you the favor of calling Child Protective Services or the <laughs> local public school and turning you over to truancy officers. And so there were families who ended up uh, being arrested, who ended up going to jail, who ended up having to be in court. Uh, a couple of those families, the uh, Bennett family and the DeYoung family, were in court for a very long time. The DeYoungs were in court for 10 years. Uh, can you imagine, you know, the possibility of having your children taken away from you and yeah. the the constant threat and just, you know, the, the harassment uh, from the state for a decade of it just lingering through the courts and they kept losing their their cases and having it appealed. And finally, uh, I believe it was 1993, they went to the state Supreme Court and um, just it was actually a miraculous story because the chief justice had given a a pay they they had already written up their uh decision um and they had ruled against the de youngs and it was this uh four three decision and the next morning as they were getting ready to 
uh, read the decisions, the justice determined that he had a change of mind overnight. Wow. And he, he told his colleagues that he just felt like he was making the wrong decision and he wanted to change his vote. And thankfully, there was a justice on the other side who had written a minority opinion uh, opposing the, the majority. Wow. And he suggested, hey, we could use this as the majority opinion. And uh, they did that. And so they literally flipped from 4-3 against to 4-3 in favor of the DeYoungs, uh, thus striking down the teacher certification requirement. And uh, it was it was in 1994 that the homeschooling law that we currently have was put into place that gave all families the ability to homeschool, whether they were religious or not. And for the most part, we've had... Um, you know, for 30 years, we've had wonderful uh, homeschool culture here in Michigan. Families have been able to thrive. Uh, we have a vibrant homeschool community here. Lots of families have moved to Michigan specifically to homeschool their children because our laws are uh, very accommodating. But there have been a couple of times over the years where uh, there have been legislators who have tried to introduce uh, legislation that would be controlling or, or severely regulate homeschooling. The worst of those happened in 2015. There was a, a Republican or sorry, a Democrat representative named Stephanie Chang from Detroit. And she introduced a pretty draconian bill that would not only have mandated uh, registration, but would have required twice annual visits with some government mandated reporter. Now, our organization is called Michigan Christian Homeschool Network. Our, our acronym is M-I-C-H-N, and we pronounce that MISSION. And our organization has been here since 1984, uh, defending homeschool freedoms and helping to promote and facilitate homeschooling in Michigan. So at that time, in 2015, we had, uh, so I don't like to make this partisan, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, we don't pick sides as right. an organization. We're not red and blue. That's not who we are. We're about homeschool freedoms. Right. But there's been one party in our state that has really opposed homeschool freedoms and one party that has supported homeschool freedoms. And, and just being factual, mm -hmm. uh, the Democrats have traditionally opposed homeschool freedoms and the Republicans have supported it. So at that time, uh, there was a Republican majority and uh, we were able to kill that bill pretty easily with just making a couple of phone calls to the House and Senate education chairs. And that died. It didn't mm -hmm. go anywhere. Uh, never made it out of committee. And so we were uh, very thankful that that very draconian bill did not get pushed through. Um, but other than that, you know, we have a few little skirmishes here and there, but we've been able to handle it because of relationships that our state homeschool association has in the legislature. With this last election cycle, everything tipped rather radically to the Democratic Party and mm -hmm. they control everything. They control right. the House. The Senate, the Governor Mansion, uh, the both education committees, the uh, State Board of Education, Attorney General's Office, everything, mm -hmm. and so that put us in a very different uh, political climate, which is where we are right now. And uh, you were asking how the the climate of homeschooling has changed. Of course, COVID uh, was a, a huge increase in the number of homeschoolers. Right. Since COVID, since COVID, there have been fifty thousand students that have left the public school system mm -hmm. uh, for private schools and and for homeschools and and other uh, educational options. And so that's really what's pushing this drive for regulations and registration mm -hmm. is each one of these students represents about $14,300 per head to the public school with federal, state and, and local taxes. 
and the public school administrators and and the state board of education, they want that revenue Mm -hmm. and they want those students back in the public school. And so, you know, and they were blatant about it really uh, in 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. They said one child leaving the public school system is one child too many. We have to find ways to get these children back into the public schools. That, That was what their narrative really all the way through 2022 and then last year in 2023, they they flipped the narrative uh, with some some pretty dubious um, accusations against a couple of families. Yes. And now they're calling for reg- regulations on homeschooling because they claim that homeschoolers are child abusers. Yes. And we're going to get into that here in just a few minutes. But tell us, does Michigan have school choice in your state, government-funded school choice, where your state is funding private schools and homeschools? Our state constitution says that no public monies can be used for non-public schools. So that's in our state constitution. However, there was a court case um, that said that that, um, that that wording in our constitution was unconstitutional. <laughs> um and so there, there is a program that is sometimes called a seat time waiver, mm-hmm. or it's more commonly called a public school homeschool partnership. And it's a little bit unique. Um, most states don't have anything quite like this. But what it is, is if you are a privately funded homeschooler, you can take co-op classes not through a private co-op, but through the public school. And the public school will pay for those classes with tax dollars as long as you sign a paper saying you understand that these are being paid for with state dollars. Okay. And and so there are there's a significant number of families that are utilizing that. We currently estimate that there are probably about 50,000 students being homeschooled in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the latest statistics that we have indicate there's probably about 20,000 of those, so about 40% that have their students enrolled in these public school partnerships. So they're taking non-core elective classes through the public school. Okay. And uh, the funding on it is kind of difficult to get information on. Uh, There's no like website you can go to. There's not a lot of disclosure. Mm-hmm. We don't know entirely, you know, what the final bill is for the state of Michigan for this, but but the local public school will send in a form to the city of Lansing, to the state government, ask, asking to be reimbursed for these funds. And they'll call these, um, these homeschooling families part-time public school students, but because the majority of the learning is still happening at the home, they're called homeschoolers. Okay. So tell, what is your perspective on government-funded school choice? Well, whatever the government pays for, it controls. Exactly. And so we believe if you want to have the right to teach what you want to teach, then you need to pay for it with your own money. And we do understand how frustrating <laughs> that is right. to pay for the public school and then to pay for private education on top of that. But uh, every time the government ends up paying for something, it ends up regulating it. Absolutely. Does Mission have a statement regarding school choice? Mission has always supported privately funded, parent-directed home education, and we have always had a statement about that on our website. 
That's fantastic. So we're going to have to take a break here in just a few minutes, but I want to explain a little bit about what we're getting into, what we're going to be delving into as we move through the show. There is proposed legislation in Michigan that is currently threatening homeschool families. Before we take this break, Israel, can you tell our listeners a little about what's going on in Michigan? I know, weren't you just recently featured in the Daily Wire? We have been featured <laughs> everywhere. Yes. Man. We, yeah, we were on, we were on uh, D- Daily Mail in UK, uh, the Washington Post. Uh, yes. We have been making the rounds. Yes. And so... Uh, probably we'll have to talk about most of this on the other side of the break because right. there's a lot to it. But at a minimum, they want mandatory registration in a centralized government database mm-hmm. uh, that is held at state level uh, for all students in Michigan. Start out just homeschoolers. Now right. it's every single child in Michigan has to be registered annually in a centralized educational database. Wow. So obviously we're concerned about that. And then the legislators have indicated that they believe more regulations um, are likely and needed. And so uh, obviously with this being uh, an accusation that children are being educationally neglected and that they're being abused, having a child's name in a government database doesn't accommodate either of those concerns. Right. And so they have stated that there probably will be additional regulations later. Yes. I was reading a letter from your state superintendent, Michael Rice, where he stated that homeschooling was on the rise and he was calling for legislation that would require homeschool families to register. And of course, this was coming in under the guise of safety. And we're seeing a lot of this in our state in Tennessee as well. Um, This call to have homeschool parents in Michigan registered came on the heels of two couples that were accused of abusing their children. They had 30 kids that were adopted, and your superintendent was discussing what he felt like was an issue of missing children, which was interesting to me because according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 34,000 cases of missing foster kids, there are 34,000 cases of missing foster kids in the U.S. So I found that to be interesting, to say the least. And these were two families that were arrested, and this spurred the call for a registry. Is that correct, Israel? There is a lot that I'd like to unpack about those two families in that situation. Okay. There's a lot more than meets the eye there. That sounds great. We will definitely delve into that in the next after the next break and now it is time for us to take that break and i hope you'll join us back hey this is lewis maddox and you're listening to the best radio in middle tennessee 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia. Hello, WKOM and WKRM listeners. My name is Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC in Columbia, Tennessee. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my grandfather, Robert Parks, and my great-grandfather, Julian Mays, in 1958, over 60 years ago. Being family-owned and operated, we invest in our community. You'll see our support everywhere you go. Schools, sports, band, and even charities. We invest in our community because we live here and we love this community. Come see me and my cousin, Robert Rogers, at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC right off Nashville Highway or visit us at parksmotorsales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. 
You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. By now you all know about Don, our service truck guy. Well, let me tell you about another member of our service team, and that's Mike Ashley. He's the guy you'll talk to when you call the office. Just call and talk to Mike one time at 931-540-0919, and you'll see why we're lucky to have him here at the Garbage Man. Thanks, Mike, for all you do to keep the Garbage Man first in service. That's 931-540-0919. Hi, this is Dr. Tui from the Dr. Gill Center. Has your back been bothering you for years? Can't play golf? Pick up the grandkids? Garden or exercise? Tried everything and nothing works? Call the Dr. Gill Center. We have successfully helped tens of thousands of patients in Middle Tennessee, and you could be next. Call 615-880-9774 and ask about our $49 special. That's 615-880-9774. Because back pain doesn't need to be a way of life. Call me, painfree.com. I don't know about you, but I just love doing business with small businesses. You feel appreciated when you walk in and they know your name. At Caledonian Financial, we try very hard to appreciate our clients. We value everyone and we reject the idea that you're not worthy of advice if you don't have a certain amount of money. We love our neighbors, all of them. This is Monty Sneed with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Throughout the country, buried pipelines are indicated by a pipeline right-of-way. A long, wide stretch of grass cleared of trees and marked with signs. If you have a right-of-way near your home, do not plant anything in it or dig in it. Do not install a fence or build your kids a super cool fort without first getting the pipeline operator's approval. For more on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Calling all nonprofit organizations. The NASCAR Day Giveathon is back for 2024. What's that, you ask? It's a national campaign to help nonprofit organizations raise funds to support their local missions. By signing up for the Giveathon, you gain access to a national marketing campaign to build visibility and donations for your nonprofit at no cost to you. And as a bonus, special incentives and prizes will be announced along the way to help you maximize your efforts. Visit NASCARDayGiveathon.org to sign up today. Welcome back to Free Your Children. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and today we have guest Israel Wayne with us. He is the vice president of the Michigan Christian Homeschool Network. That's a mouthful. Mission, as they are known there. We were just discussing what is happening in Michigan and this call for a statewide registry regarding all children in the state of Michigan. Is that correct, Israel? Yes, it started out just with a registration for homeschoolers, but Dr. Michael Rice, superintendent of public instruction for Michigan, has expanded it to private schools, to uh, parochial schools, to every form of uh, every child in Michigan now has to be in a centralized education government database. Okay. And so we were discussing before the break that this 
kind of culminated on the heels of two families that had adopted and were homeschooling upwards of 30 children, and news reports have painted them in a certain light. So I want to give, I want you to give our listeners some background information on what really spurred this and what the catalyst was to, to your superintendent there in Michigan calling for this registry. Could you speak to that? Yes, I'd like to back up a little bit and get a running start at this. Yes. So, but before we talk about these two families in Michigan, we have to talk about the Washington Post. Yes. So for the last <laughs> year, they have been on an assault against homeschooling. There's like 12 to 14 articles that they've published attacking homeschooling Absolutely. Uh, religiously. Mm-hmm. And one of the store, two of the stories really focused on the state of Michigan and called for regulations in Michigan. Mm-hmm. That really precipitated the actions of our Attorney General Dana Nessel here in our state. The story that they told was this heartrending story of a boy named Roman Lopez who lived with his parents in Michigan. His parents divorced. The father moved to California, remarried, and his new wife hated his this son, the stepson. Ended up abusing this poor little boy and unfortunately tragically killing him in California. So Washington Post used this story of this boy who died in California to say, and this is why we need homeschooling regulations in Michigan, because the homeschooling regulations in Michigan might have saved this boy's life. And I was interviewed for the Washington Post in a couple of these articles and uh, was talking with their reporter, Peter Jamison. And I said, you know, Peter, you're not being forthcoming with your audience, the way that you're representing this, saying that this was a homeschooling law uh, in Michigan that caused the homicide of this boy in California. I said, you know, because you've researched this, that California has an annual mandatory reporting registering law that you're saying Michigan needs. They have it. Mm -hmm. And this boy didn't die in Michigan. He died in California where they have that annual registration Mm -hmm. law. And it didn't protect him because by definition, people who are child abusers are lawbreakers and lawbreakers don't care about laws. Exactly. So so if we had this law in Michigan that they have in California, uh, would it have protected this boy? No, because people who are hellbent on abusing or heaven forbid killing their child, mm-hmm. um, they are going to uh, to disobey laws. We already have laws that say you can't abuse your child. Exactly. And we have laws that say you can't kill your child. Mm-hmm. And yet that happened despite mm-hmm. the fact that there were regulations against it. Right. Right. So so he so I so I said you you understand that this was not a breakdown of of a homeschooling law issue. Uh th- this is uh, a CPS issue. And he said, well, this is what he said to me privately. He said, well, to your point, when they still lived in Michigan, this boy's aunt called Child Protective Services and reported child abuse to CPS in Michigan. And Michigan CPS never even bothered to show up and investigate it. And I said, well, Peter, why is that not your story? Why is your story not that CPS failed in this situation to investigate a reported case of child abuse? Why are you dumping this on homeschoolers? And, you know, he's claiming that he's unbiased. He has Mm -hmm. absolutely no motive whatsoever, just reporting facts. And yet uh, he was calling for report reporting requirements in Michigan 
to protect children and save lives. Mm-hmm. That was the Washington Post narrative. Right. So December 6th of 2023, this story comes out. And uh, that same day, Representative Matt Colzar, who is the House Education Chair, mm-hmm. uh, posted an, uh, and retweeted a post from Attorney General Dana Nessel about these two families. Mm-hmm. So we're getting to the two families. Right. Uh, but, but it was very much Dana Nessel's response, our Attorney General's response was very much motivated by the Washington Post articles. So he used this narrative of, okay, here's this poor boy who died and this, and claiming that a homeschool registration law might have saved his life. So she comes out with the same thing in Michigan, puts out a tweet, says that there are these two families, uh, put out a press release that had exploited the, the foster care system. Uh, she claimed for financial gain and they were becoming rich off of the foster care system. And these two families, the Brown family and the Flore family, over time, it had like 30 children go through the two households. Right, because they were foster families, correct? They were foster. foster yes. Foster families. Yeah. She's uh-huh. claiming there was egregious abuse that took place and that and that it was the lax homeschooling laws. <laughs> That allowed these children to be unnoticed, and mm-hmm. they've used the term missing children and all yeah. of this narrative. But in reality, there's nothing missing about these children. They were deeply entrenched in child protective services, in the foster care system, mm-hmm. in the public schools. I mean, frankly, the law in Michigan is that you cannot homeschool foster children. That's how it is here in Tennessee, too. That's how. That's one thing that I wanted to ask you is how were these children being homeschooled if they were foster children? As foster children, they were not being homeschooled. Right, correct. They were in the system. They were in public Mm -hmm. schools with or private schools with Mm -hmm. mandatory reporters. Mm -hmm. And so you have Department of Health and Human Services. You have CPS, foster care, public school, private school. You have all of these mandatory reporters. And if 30 children is too many (laughs) to place into two homes, again, over years, not all at once. Right. But if that's too many... Homeschoolers didn't do that. Homeschoolers did not place these children into the homes. CPS and foster care system did that. Exactly. Right. And then if there was abuse in those families that went on for years, which is what the claim is, Mm -hmm. and they kept placing children in unsafe homes, homeschoolers didn't do that. We didn't put them in those homes. Correct. Again, so what it is, is it's this classic case of deflection Mm -hmm. where if child abuse actually happened in those homes... It, it mandates a, ne- a necessary investigation of these agencies. Mm-hmm. Mr. Brown was an employee of Department of Health and Human Services and was, by profession, a CPS investigator. Uh-huh. So there's nothing unknown about these two families. They are in the system. He's a CPS investigator. Right. And yet they're saying one of their own was abusing children. That's a CPS investigation case has nothing to do with homeschooling. Exactly. That was one thing. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading the articles was that, number one, these children weren't missing. They were there in plain sight. And number two, if this alleged abuse had actually occurred, this is a CPS, just like you said, this is a CPS problem. (laughs) This This is a state governmental problem if indeed this actually happened. Right. Exactly. So here's where it starts to get uh, interesting. These two families were investigated for child abuse, were in court, and in May of 2023, all charges against both families were dropped for lack of evidence. There is an adult daughter of the uh, 
the Flore family. Her name mm-hmm. is Shamber Rain, who has been posting on social media and trying to talk to any media that would actually talk to her, who has been saying that no abuse happened in the home, that she was in the foster care system uh, in the home and then was adopted. And she claims that her disciplines, if she did something wrong, ranged from having a timeout to being told to think about what she did. Mm-hmm. But she claims that these egregious charges of child abuse are patently false, that there was no beatings, that, you know, no children are being hit but with boat oars and some of the things yeah. that Attorney General Nessel is charging with absolutely no additional evidence or no additional um, uh, what's incidents mm-hmm. that have happened since May. Attorney General Nessel is now re-prosecuting these two families who've already been through the process and basically had the charges dropped for lack of evidence. It's a very curious case. When I asked her, uh, because she contacted me, when I asked her, well, what would be the possible motivation on the part of Dana Nessel to go after your family and the Brown family? And she's actually married now to a young man from the Brown family. So there actually is kind of Mm -hmm. a connection uh, with her. And she said that they're Christians, that uh, Mr. Brown was a Christian and a conservative working in CPS, and he was on the other side of the politics Mm -hmm. of a lot of the people uh, that he worked with, and they had it in for him. So he was fired, and then they accused him of child abuse. Wow. I asked her, how many of the Brown children are accusing their parents of child abuse? She said zero. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And and then I said, well, what would be the motivation for her going after the Flore family? She said, well, all of the children who were adopted through these two in these two families were adopted by a Catholic adoption agency called St. Vincent's. And their policy was that no no children could be adopted into homes where it was a homosexual couple or a transgender person or or somebody that was not a uh, a heterosexual married couple. Mm hmm. And Attorney General Dana Nessel here in Michigan is a very outspoken lesbian, and that is offensive to her. So she prosecuted St. Vincent's to force them to accept LGBTQ adoptions. Shamber Rain ended up becoming a public face of opposition to her prosecution of St. Vincent's, spoke out in the media against her. Dana Nessel lost that case, which she doesn't like. She, she doesn't like losing. <laughs> and so Shamba Rain said she believes it's very directly personally related to her uh, opposing this prosecution of St. Vincent's uh, as well as some other things. So so basically, uh, apparently after some of the children were adopted, they were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So that's where the homeschool accusation comes in. Okay. That uh, a couple of them were homeschooled after adoption. But um, but she claims and uh, her, the defense attorneys claim that this is just an egregious attack on these two families without any substantiated evidence. So it's it's a very odd and very curious situation. Bottom well, line. Yeah. And, and we don't get to hear the other side often. Has Shamber had an opportunity to be interviewed by any major outlets to speak about what's really happening here? Very few. Okay. They seem to be really uninterested in the other side mm-hmm. of this narrative. Uh, you know, I'd love for her to get an opportunity to at least give her side Absolutely. Uh, to present to present the other view. But yes. but it's a very bottom line. Uh-huh. The courts are supposed to decide if someone is guilty of child abuse 
not the media, yes. not social media, mm-hmm. and not just an accusation. Right. We're supposed to have a presumption of innocence until someone is proven guilty in a court of law. As it stands right now, there's been absolutely nothing proven against these families other than, you know, pretty wild accusations. But if in the future they are proven to be child abusers through the court of law, this is absolutely a foster case child abuse uh, protection agency agree. problem. Absolutely. Not a homeschool problem. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Is there an issue with homeschooling families at large abusing their children? Absolutely not. In fact, this narrative that children are safe in public schools and they're not safe at home uh-huh. um, is completely fallacious. Psychology Today magazine reported that 11.7% of all students who attend public schools nationally experience sexual harassment from public school staff. Yep, absolutely. It doesn't even count students. Correct. I've written an article about that very thing. It's an article titled, Public Schools, Are They Safe? And I unpack a lot of what's happening in public schools in terms of what you just spoke about right there. It's really unbelievable. And then, of course, those are just the cases we know about because most of it goes largely unreported. Exactly. Um, And and then 257 percent less likely to be sexually abused are mm-hmm. homeschoolers, according mm-hmm. to the Gen 2 survey. Mm-hmm. So we actually have research that indicates that public schools are not safe, that homeschoolers are significantly safer. And we also have research that we can correlate and compare high-regulation states versus low-regulation states. So high-regulation states are places like New York, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, low-regulation states, Oklahoma, Texas, Idaho, Michigan. And we can look at two different factors, uh, which are accusations against homeschoolers. Number one, they're being educationally neglected. Number Mm -hmm. two, they're being physically abused. Mm -hmm. And what we know from the correlated research in these high versus low regulation states is that academic performance is about the same. So they are states that have mandatory standardized testing, like these high regulation states. And then there's states that like Michigan and Oklahoma that don't. But when we correlate the standardized achievement tests of those homeschool students in both states, they're about the same uh, in in states that are high, medium or low. Homeschool students tend to do about the same across the board, which is always higher than the public school system Correct. on average. Yes. So homeschoolers outperform public schools on average. Uh, we know that. Mm-hmm. And the additional regulations do not improve academic performance. And then when we talk about reported cases of child abuse, there's no increase or decrease related to homeschool regulations. So there's no more or less reports of child abuse among homeschooling families in high regulation states versus low regulation states. So the, the accusation that these regulations help students to learn more and that they keep them safer are completely fallacious. We have very definitive research that proves that those are just biases, that they're not actually uh, correlated in terms of data. Exactly. Uh, Tennessee parents are hearing the same things from many of our legislators, which are talking points such as, well, homeschoolers need to register with someone because there are parents who aren't doing a good job. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. What do you say when you hear statements like that, Israel? So here's what we know in Michigan. Only 28 percent of public school students in Michigan read at the state's level of proficiency. (laughs) That we know. 
Mm-hmm. I was actually being interviewed by the Detroit Free Press, and she asked me this question. Well, how do you how do you know that all the homeschoolers are teaching their children? How do you know that all the homeschoolers are learning? How do you know that some aren't falling through the cracks or that some aren't behind grade level? <laughs> I said, well, well, here's what we, I said. Let me ask you a question. What if a report went out that only 28% of homeschoolers in the state of Michigan could read at the state's level of proficiency? Mm-hmm. What would happen? Do you think that the media and the legislature would call this a crisis, a state of emergency, <laughs> and demand that immediate intervention needs to take place to rescue these poor children who are failing in the homeschool setting? Uh, do you think a 28% success rate would be cause for alarm? <laughs> And the reporter said, well, I'm the one that's supposed to be asking the questions here, but to play along with you. Yeah, I pro- I think they probably would see that as a, as a crisis, as something that, you know, we need to solve this problem. I said, but that's the public school system. Right. And there's not an alarm. In fact, Governor Whitmer, a little over a month ago, just relaxed standards on public school teachers. Mm-hmm. They're they're currently lowering the standards and requirements in the public school while calling for greater registration and regulations of homeschoolers. The hypocrisy is so thick. And so, again, it's this massive case of deflection where there's failure within the public school system. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, lack of safety. The number one reason people are choosing to homeschool right now is safety of their child. Exactly. Because of bullying. sexual abuse in the classroom, Mm -hmm. school shootings. And so our view is the public school needs to look at why are tens of thousands of of families leaving the public school for private schools and homeschools? Maybe you need to focus on what you're doing wrong that is causing so many families to leave rather than simply trying to regulate the competition so they can't compete. Absolutely. And that is what we are trying to educate parents about and our legislators about here in Tennessee is that we aren't broken and we do not need to be fixed here in the homeschool world. Uh, When they have a big mess in public schools, that is where their focus and attention needs to be. It's time to take another break, but join us right back here with our guest, Israel Wayne. This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. 
Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Debbie Matthews grew up and lives in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. As a realtor, she is well-versed in homes, neighborhoods, development, and schools. She wants to share her love of her home state with others to help them find just the right place to raise a family, open a business, or develop a dream. From luxury listings to land, she can handle it all. She is the current leading producer. Nashville Realty Group. Contact Debbie Matthews Realtor at 615-476-3224. That's 615-476-3224. This is Delp Kennedy. A few years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, and I decided to redo our study. I wanted the same comforting earth color green my grandmother had in her study when I was growing up. We didn't even have a sample. Mary Susan went to see Zeke Maddox at Columbia Paint Wall Cover. He had my grandmother's color card on file from 1959. Today, her great-great-grandchildren play and laugh under that comforting green. Columbia Paint and Wall Cover, Zeke Maddox, 931-388-2806. Columbia's own 8th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Triple Header returns on April 2nd at the Ridley Sports Complex. Columbia Central versus Spring Hill at 10 a.m. Then it's Columbia State versus UT Southern at 1.30. And at 5.30, the Lady Volunteers face off against the Memphis Tigers. Tickets are available online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Tickets are $10 and good for all three games. The Mid-State Classic, April 2nd. See you at the game. This is Del Kennedy from Porch Radio. Today I'm at Foodland in downtown Columbia, Tennessee. I'm speaking with Bobby Howell, your hometown grocer. Foodland has got a new circular out. It's got specials that will run through next Tuesday, February 27th. Bobby, what's happening at Foodland this week? We got ground chuck, $3.99 a pound. Eight-pound bag of jumbo russet potatoes, $3.99 each. Domino sugar, four-pound bag, two for seven. Coca-Cola half liter six packs, two for nine. And then next Tuesday on February 27th, we have a $2 sale day, which Guantley Bologna is $2. Hot Pockets are $2. Five pound russet potatoes are $2 a bag. Wow, that's amazing. And so those $2 specials are next Tuesday, February 27th. One day only. One day only. Okay, I got it. All right, folks. And remember, for guys who grill, Foodland has got the best meat department in Murray County. I guarantee it. Bobby, have a great week. Thank you.
Welcome back to Free Your Children. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and we are joined today by Israel Wayne, Vice President of Michigan Christian Homeschool Network. We were talking about this push for this national, this statewide registry for all children, correct, Israel, there in Michigan, that your elected officials and superintendent of schools is now calling for. What are families doing in Michigan, Michigan to fight back against this? Well, Mission is encouraging all homeschooling families to contact our legislators right now, even though no bill has been formally introduced to a committee or to the legislature, and tell them that they oppose any future regulations of homeschooling or any change to our homeschooling law. Uh, We believe it's important for them to do that now because um, we think it's very possible that if a bill gets introduced, they'll try to run it through very quickly so that there's not really an opportunity to respond to it once it's introduced. Mm -hmm. So we need to get ahead of it. And so we are encouraging people to contact their their legislators. There's actually a very interesting news article that just came out this week from the Detroit News, where um, Senator Paul Hankey, who is the Senate Education Chair, uh, stated that a bill has already been written, and she knows who has written it, but she's not going to say So that was very interesting to us because all the focus has been on the House side with Representative Matt Colzar's tweets calling for regulation. So I think a lot of people have been assuming it's going to come from the House, but uh, there's there's a real possibility that could come from the Senate. And and a a great concern uh, from my viewpoint is that Senator uh, Stephanie Chang, who used to be a representative in 2015 when she introduced her original bill, she was... um, quoted in the Washington Post as saying that she's been talking to her colleagues and that they are more open to a registration bill now uh, or regulations on homeschooling than when she first introduced her bill in 2015. And I was told privately by the Washington Post that they're in conversations with Stephanie Chang and that she is, is pretty upset that she didn't get her bill passed in 2015. And she would still like to see her bill uh, get passed um, as she wrote it. And so, uh, again, that was the one that mandated twice annual reporting Mm -hmm. to some sort of government mandated reporter in addition to uh, just a a registration. So um, so so if somebody's writing it in this on the Senate side, uh, that could be concerning from my viewpoint that it could be a worse wording Mm -hmm. uh, to the, the proposed bill than maybe what we would get on the House side. Also. Um, there's reason to believe that the House may not actually introduce a bill until April because um, they're tied up right now, 54-54. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two Democrats that left the House to uh, who won mayoral elections. And so those two Democrats, uh, will, they'll have their seats will have a runoff election in April and they will not be replaced until late April. So we've kind of felt like with it being tied 54-54, they can't really, you know, parties in Michigan right now are just voting straight party line on almost everything. Right. And so they, they really can't pass something in the House until late April. So so we've been kind of thinking, okay, the House probably isn't going to do anything right away. But if indeed this bill is being introduced on the Senate side, that could happen anytime. They have the votes to pass it through on the Senate. Uh, so yeah, that becomes concerning and, and that's just new information that just came out this week. Wow. Across the nation, as we were speaking about during the break, there seems to be a push to 
tighten the screws on homeschool families across the U.S. Why do you think that is? It really is a fundamental mind shift that's happened from the principles we were taught by the founding fathers of our country. When you read the writings of Patrick Henry and James Madison and Thomas Jefferson and others, they said very clearly that we as citizens need to watch government very closely because government, if not watched by the citizens, would tend to become abusive. Mm -hmm. And so they had this innate suspicion of government. 250 years later, it's gotten turned on its head where the government is saying parents need to be watched because if they're not carefully watched by the the overseeing, caring government, (laughs) they will become abusive. Mm -hmm. And so the narrative is just completely flip-flopped from citizens being suspicious of government to government being suspicious of citizens. Absolutely. And so it really comes down to an innate uh, distrust of parents and an accusation that all parents are potential child abusers until they prove they're not. Mm-hmm. And that's a complete uh, reversal of 250 years of jurisprudence where we've had this assumption of innocence. You're innocent until proven guilty, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're saying, no, no, you're guilty until you prove that you're innocent. Um, it's it's a it's really happened in higher education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a complete mind shift that's taken place as people have been indoctrinated into a statist mentality. Absolutely. And so uh, when we get to a place where we trust government and we innately distrust parents, which is what's happening, mm-hmm. we end up with this kind of chaos. Yeah, we recently, for your children, recently had a trip to the Capitol to speak to our rep- legislators, Republican legislators, and we were saddened to hear that that idea that you just mentioned seems to be pervasive in our state government. So it's scary, and you're exactly right. We we heard from multiple representatives that were speaking to us and telling us, well, you know, homeschoolers have to register with someone. You know, we have to know that they're not truant. We have to know that they're teaching what they're supposed to be teaching or that they're good parents. And so I agree with what you mentioned wholeheartedly. Now, before we jump off here, I want to switch gears. You just signed with Masterbooks, right? Tell us what's going on. You're not just Israel Wayne, the, the speaker. You wear many hats. You're not just the vice president of mission. Tell us what all you have going on and where people can find you. Sure. So they can visit our website, which is familyrenewal.org. That's my organization. I've actually published about eight books through Master Books uh, and their parenting books, homeschooling books. I have a book called Answers for Homeschooling, the top 25 questions critics ask. Another one called Education, Does God Have an Opinion? You can get both of those signed copies, actually, from familyrenewal.org. And if somebody's interested in having me speak at their conference or event, you can go to israelwayne.com and I'd love to talk with you and follow me on social media. Just look up Israel Wayne or Family Renewal, wherever you hang out on social media. I would love to be connected with you there. Absolutely. And I will make sure that I post all of your links that you mentioned here where people can find you when this show drops on the podcast portal. Also, Israel, you're going to be in Tennessee this summer, correct? I am. I'm going to be speaking at a conference called Culture Proof, uh-huh. and uh, uh, you can Google search that, conf- uh, Culture Proof Conference 2024, and uh, very much looking to- forward to that. There's some great speakers that are lined up for that, and if you're concerned about what the culture is doing uh, and attacking the family, 
You're going to get a lot of positive encouragement, reinforcement at that conference. Uh, and really where we're at now, if you want your kids to be able to think outside of the system, to be able to think for themselves, you're going to need to get them out of government schools. And uh, so this is one of those situations where, you know, this is not leave it to Beaver land anymore with the public schools. It's right. a completely different environment. It's Absolutely. What city is that in Tennessee, Israel? I don't have the information in front of me right now. If you want to, you can go to uh, familyrenewal.org forward slash events. So familyrenewal.org forward slash events. And I have all of my speaking events on that page and uh, it'll have all the contact information. Fantastic. And I'll push that out on Free Your Children as well. Well, Israel, thank you so much for joining us today. I also want to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring today's show. That's safestoragetn.com. And I want to leave you with this, Psalm 91. My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Through faith, worship, and prayer, we are protected from external and internal evil forces by committing ourselves to the righteous will of the Lord. We love you here at Free Your Children, but remember, Jesus loves you so much more. Thank you for tuning in.